My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose. the Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe Podcast, where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans with DC Comics are doing the big and small screen, so we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Tim. And I'm Scott, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. And Tim, one more week till Christmas break. I know. Just got to make it. For me, it's four more days. Four more days. Four more? Oh, yeah. I got five more. I got five more days, and then I'm off. Did you get all your Christmas shopping done? Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I I think we do but i have a couple more things i need to get oh no there was i think it was like last thursday there was the moment of my wife and i sitting at the dinner table going crap and then there was a feverish amazon suddenly got really busy for like the next five minutes yeah <laughs> oh man so yeah i mean i have to uh i i bought my wife a lexus for christmas and i'm gonna put a big bow on it i'm just kidding she's in the other room right now as i'm recording <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you terrible tease. Yes, I know. I know. I'm a terrible tease. No. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, all the kids stuff is done. There's just, a, like I said, a couple more gifts that I got to get, and then I'm good to go. But yeah, five more days of work this this year, and I am done. Oh, trying to do it. And then I have to, and then in the middle of this, I've got to go up to uh, Memphis because my father-in-law is retiring. So we're leaving in the middle of the week to go to a retirement for him, and then coming back, it's just this is just going to be an insane week. What can yeah. I say? Oh, you're going to stop over and get some bourbon on the way up? No, oh, I wish I could, but no. I'm driving. Uh, actually, but you're only going to Memphis. Okay. I'm just going to Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong way. Wrong Not way. going up to Chattanooga. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, safe travels. Uh, hopefully the weather's good for you. Thank you. Been pretty good up this way, so no complaints at this point. Well, of course, we want to take this opportunity to remind you that we are members of the Squawcast Media Network. That does include DC Comics Squawcast with Chris and Jordan, Fans Without Borders with Brent and Ray, DC TV Squawcast with Ray, and well, pretty much this week, it's going to be uh, Jordan, you, and me. Yeah. And then, of course, our brand new show marvel Squadcast with brenton brock and then of course we also want to take an opportunity to thank all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash media where you can find things like Squadcast movies which will have our punisher 2004 review coming soon yeah and uh fans without borders plus with you know what ray and i aren't even sure when the next time it is <laughs> we our lives are so busy right now yeah i think we're going to try to do jumanji the next level but i don't know when i'm going to get to see it it's yeah. just crazy at this point i almost feel like we should just do six underground because i did watch that from <laughs> okay. the comfort of my own home nice yeah i mean it's a busy time of year so it's kind of tough but i think we'll get in one more Squadcast movies after the punisher which we're going to drop this upcoming week uh, i think we'll get one more film in before the end of the year robocop 2 yes Ray's robocop so 2. excited <laughs> that's gonna be a fun one yeah i'm looking forward to that one too so yeah go check out those shows uh, again thanks for all you guys that are able to support our network greatly appreciate it hope you're enjoying all the extra content uh like i said we got more coming and we got a big year planned when it comes to Squadcast movies. Lots of films that oh, this is going to be the you know the bread and butter of, of really what we've been waiting for. What we've been trudging through for the first like 32 episodes. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be some good ones. All right. Well, Scott, this is kind of a light week, so I think this episode is going to be a little bit lighter, but we did get some significant news today, you know, this past week. Well, we've got a, one might say we have a slate for the next, what, two to three years? Yeah. So, so far, the DCEU movies, as, as it looks right now, are Birds of Prey on February 7th, 2020, Wonder Woman 1984 on June 5th, 2020, The Batman on June 25th, 2021, The Suicide Squad, August 6th, 2021, Black Adam, December 2nd, 2021, and then not four months later, we have Shazam 2 on April 1st, 2022, The Flash. I'll believe this when it happens. <laughs> well, it's been announced. It doesn't matter. July 1st, <laughs> 2022, and then Aquaman 2 on December 16th, 2022. Wow. So that's, you know, that's two movies in 2020, and then three movies in 2021, and three movies in 2022. Yeah. You know, we know there's other films in development. We don't know if any of these are going to drop anytime soon. The one I'm kind of most curious about is New Gods. Like, what's going to happen with that one? And as far as we know, they're still just in writing. They're still in the writing process right now, so who right. knows when that will be happening. Yep, yep. Alright, well, well, let's kind of move on. Our next film that we got coming up in February 7th is Birds of Prey and a Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And we got a little 30-second, what I'm calling a TV spot, yeah. during the Game Awards, which has not officially been released online. Pretty much every video you find is someone who recorded it and has posted on Twitter, which is just fine. It's a fun little 30-second uh, commercial right there. I'm enjoying it. I love the use of Sandman as a <laughs> as a as a musical background. Yeah, you get some really fun character moments with some of the characters besides Harley Quinn that we really haven't seen a lot of so far. Yeah. So I mean, I'm already hyped for this movie. I I am legitimately looking forward to this one. I even got to see a little shot of Bernie the Beaver. Yep. So that was that was fun. Got to see that. And uh, we'll just see what happens when this movie finally gets here in two months. Yeah, this thing clearly is going to just be unlike anything else that we've seen. Uh, just visually, it's just going to be kind of off the map from what I can see. Yeah, well, here's hoping. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah, I want something different. And, and it looks like this is going to be distinctly Kathy Ann's vision, which is, you know, something we always want to see. We want to see, you know, the director ha- be able to do uh, their version of the film, the, their vision. So um, we also did get some set visits this past week and lots of little things that kind of came out from that. Um, and now, the set visits didn't actually happen this past week. They happened about two-thirds of the way into principal photography, but there's been embargo up to this point. But, uh, you know, lots of little tidbits. One of them had the people that got to visit on the set had a little sit-down with Kathy Ann. And when they asked her, you know, what made her want to do this film, she said, you know, there was something that I gravitated to when I read the script. The Harley Quinn movie, it's truly an ensemble film. It's not even a team. You see them as a team right now, but we really spent time with each of these women, and they are very much the protagonists of the film. So there's two villains, five protagonists, each one being their own character and each feeling like a lead. And she went on to say how uh, she believes a story like this has not really been told in any kind of way, and uh, there's not one villain, one savior. Hey, I'll take it. I mean, she she really emphasized how much it was an ensemble film, which those are, I mean, I'll go for that. I, I would l- like to see that. Now, I'm sure some people are being a little incredulous about that, considering how heavy Harley is in the promotion the materials, but I always, I my hope is that that's just one of those cases of well, they're using, they're promoting using the character that everybody knows. Yeah, I mean you absolutely are going to highlight Harley Quinn <laughs> as as your, you know, when it comes to the marketing side of things, you're absolutely going to highlight her, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. Now, of course, some people, uh, well, and this is coming from the Screen Rant article about the set visit, was asking about comparing, you know, Birds of Prey to Suicide Squad, and something that came
came up is that there is a what Kathy Yan at least said was there is not any known amount of time between the end of Suicide Squad and the beginning of Birds of Prey, which just probably means they don't put a little title card up there that tells you exactly how long it's been. You're just kind of left to infer that time has passed and that they've, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to understand this quote here because she says Harley is quite different by comparison to her first big screen appearance. Her hair is different. Her costume is different. Her language is R-rated, so that's different. And she even said her skin is less thickly white. But I, I don't feel like some have taken this to imply that like she's a different character in this movie. I'm just like, well, no, it's just her character has progressed and we're in a different movie. And so I feel like everything we've seen about this movie clearly says we are continuing an aesthetic from David Ayer's Suicide Squad. And I don't have any concerns about that. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of like consistent with the character anyway? I mean, she's constantly morphed and changed in the comics. So I mean, this, is, this is really no different than that. And then Kathy Ann went on to talk about her pitch for the film. She says, to me, the, stu- the story is super compelling and personal to me because it's about emancipation and about women sort of being competitive with one another and bringing each other down. But also because of our inabilities, I think, to feel so powerless in the stranglehold that is the patriarchy. I feel like I very much have gone through that arc myself, and I've seen it, especially, I think, set against the backdrop like Me Too and what has been happening in our industry in the last few years. So that definitely infiltrated its way into my pitch as well. So that, for me, this film was so much more than a superhero film about first girl gang film or any of that. But it really has a compelling narrative and theme to it. It's very, very personal to me. And then they were talking with Margot Robbie, and she had an opportunity to elaborate on on you know how she felt about Kathy Ann and Margot said Kathy gave the best pitch she came in she understood the piece she elevated the ideas that we'd been working on and kind of took them to a place and that's kind of what you need your director to do to take what you have and then elevate it to another level and she did that and I remember writing copious notes every time we spoke to someone and Kathy came in and my page was like just a big smiley face I was just like it's perfect she's perfect for it so it was really exciting that initial conversation so I think this really speaks to the fact that since Margot Robbie is a producer on this film and she had enough creative control to basically say, I'm going to hire the people that I want to hire. It really just seemed like she and Kathy Ann just clicked. Yeah. And that's really exciting. I also, the fact that this comicbook.com article also has a nice little uh, blurb about the fact that Dead Pig still does not have international <laughs> distribution. Yeah. Because Tim and I have been talking about the fact that how we want to watch that movie. Yeah. I, I mean, I've seen visuals from it. Uh, there, was a, there, there was a place you could find it online, uh, but uh, it wasn't like a super great quality but i've seen visuals and that's where i realized that you know kathy ann has a style uh that i really kind of like there was like a visual aesthetic to dead pigs that was super interesting and in fact it it matched very closely with what we have actually seen uh with some of the scenes and some of the set videos uh from birds of prey so i'm definitely looking really forward to it kathy ann actually did go on to talk about uh an influence that she had with as a filmmaker and specifically with this film uh she says you know there's a lot of influences on a film she says the way that it's sort of talked about the structure of the film was a bit like Pulp Fiction meets Rashomon. Have you ever seen Rashomon? Oh, I love it. Yes, I, I, I even own the I even own the Criterion Blu-ray for it. Oh, that's a film I have not seen. So I you need, have not seen it. I, I have not seen it. Oh, well, that is a uh, that actually truly shocks me. Uh, you, but you know the premise of it, right? No. Oh, okay. Ra- the Rashomon, because you'll even hear about the Rashomon storytelling. It's the idea that a man is being is on trial for murder, and what you're seeing is you hear all the witnesses describe the event and 
all of them tell it a completely different way. Right. So there was even an episode. So anytime you've seen those kind of movies or storytelling devices where you get a, a different characters narrating what's supposed to be the same event and you see how different they are when everyone tells the story, it's, it's usually called the Rashomon effect. Okay. Because yeah, I, I've because heard I assume that either Rashomon was the first story to deal with that or at least it just became the most well-known story of telling multiple point of views to kind of it basically is an artistic way of expressing how memory and eyewitness accounts and people's point of view are terribly biased and unreliable okay okay very good i mean that kind of fits along the the idea of joker and i would say harley quinn being a uh, kind of like uh unreliable narrator is what we usually hear unreliable narrator yes she also talked about how you know some of the influences of the film she obviously had talked about tarantino uh she did cite the professional oh such a good film yeah leon leon yeah yes. and then uh for sure the relationship between harley and cassandra so that's going to be pretty interesting because obviously a big age difference but i like the idea that she's kind of taking cassandra on her wings which again implies that something happens to cassandra's mother and then she also kind of talked about uh, another influence that she had in this film and it was something that i'd kind of like it was in the back of my mind when i'd seen it and i was so happy that she kind of came out and said it she talked about how visually she was influenced by clockwork orange as well and she mentioned the milk bar and the black mask club and they have kind of a lot of similarities here oh now that i think about the the bar scenes we've seen so far in the trailer i get that yeah definitely get that so that's very cool but she kind of concludes and she says we really want to try to make this film like nothing that you've seen from you know like superhero movie before and a really grounded in a reality and in some of the films that i've loved through the years well and then we got some kind of official photos from the film today we got one where uh, you had reminded me was actually at the amusement park it was uh, this little lighted tunnel which i think visually is really cool looking uh, where you have the i guess the five of them walking through and then we also got some images that made its way out there i don't know that they were officially released i feel like they i think i feel like these are like ccxp stuff that got leaked or made their way online yeah so we actually get uh, the first image of harley quinn in her roller derby outfit which is pulled straight from her new 52 solo title <laughs> yeah uh what i find is interesting she's got the blue and the pink little pigtails that she has from suicide squad but they're actually apparently cut off and taped to the outside of her helmet oh yeah because there's that scene from the first trailer where she's cutting her hair off right so it looks like she actually takes them and tapes them onto the helmet which i think is a nice touch that's that's so early <laughs> absolutely well and then it's also being reported that according to imdb birds of prey is the most anticipated film of 2020 uh this is okay this was interesting because imdb basically gave its criteria for how they came up with this and so what imdb said is rather than base its annual rankings on small statistical samplings or reviews from professional critics imdb determines its list of most popular movies by the actual page views of the more than 200 million monthly visitors to imdb this exclusive and definitive data is derived from the imdb pro movie and tv rankings which are updated weekly throughout the year so i'm guessing what this means is more people have clicked on the birds of prey page than any other movie that's coming out in 2020 yeah but i mean it also had a trailer it had you know i mean this was i think the story even came out probably before wonder woman trailer had aired oh i'm sure i mean i mean think it's a story it's a story it's (laughs) it's a story that's exactly what it is yeah it's also the one that comes out in two months (laughs) you're right i mean it's it's right around the corner so you know you make up your own mind whatever that means and then we just had a bunch of things that were just kind of finally documented from over comic-con over in brazil ccxp uh for wonder woman 1984 Uh, we talked about this last week about how great the the presentation was but uh, some of the 
roundtable stuff and some of the interviews that they had with some of the, the you know, the cast members, I guess in particular uh, Gal Gadot, and then uh, with director Patty Jenkins, have kind of made their way out here. The first thing, just go over some comments. Patty Jenkins says, the movie is done because it doesn't come out for a few months. For the first time in my career, which is so great, I was able to say, hey guys, can you let me fiddle with this? Can you let me fiddle with that? So I'm fiddling, but the movie is technically done. Okay, so she's basically just revising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like an artist just never satisfied with putting on the very last brushstroke. <laughs> yeah, she says I have an I- she says I have an idea, and I'm like maybe it would make the movie shorter. We're not going to officially say how long the movie is yet. However, it's in a good territory. Yeah, she did say that her first cut was about two hours and forty five minutes long. Yeah, so we can anticipate based on these comments, the movie's going to be shorter than that. Yeah, and you got to remember, a good director is always looking to try to keep the story moving quickly, and uh, if it's non essential, you know they're going to trim that stuff out. So I would fully expect some of the stuff uh, she's been trimming out. Yeah, and then Gal Gadot went on to talk about how great it was that they actually filmed this on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. She said it was just by itself incredible. Uh, She said, we had wires, rigs for kilometers, for miles, so I can run in the same speed that Usain Bolt ran in the Olympics. And we actually saw some of that. That looked pretty cool. Yeah, we did. And apparently they also brought in members of Cirque du Soleil um, to do a lot of practical stunt work, which I think I mentioned last week when we talked about the trailer because I did hear Patty Jenkins mention that during the presentation during the live stream. Yeah. <laughs> and then Gal Gadot also talked about how she was kind of compelled to do some of the stunt work that she did. And she the reason she did is because of the close relationship that she had with Patty Jenkins. She is quoted as saying, she's one of the very best, closest friends, and it's hard for me to say no to her. Also, she has a great will. I'll find myself trying to negotiate my stance with Patty. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. I know. But don't you think it's going to be so much better if... And she says, those are the moments that I was like, ah, the physical moments because it is so hard and I have found myself with so many different spine injuries because shooting this movie, for real. But at the same time, it's worth it. And watching the movie now a few times, it's totally, totally worth it. So yeah, apparently, you know, probably from some of the wire work, she probably injured her back a little bit. Yeah, because that thing puts all kinds of stress on places. Oh yeah. All right, Scott. So now I've been off social media most of the week here, but what's all this hubbub about Wonder Woman and the fact that uh, Gal Gadot said that she wasn't going to be using her shield and a sword in this film? Well, okay, here's the quote that apparently started all off. It comes from Cinepop in Brazil. Uh, Godot explained, Wonder Woman does not carry a weapon, as in, in this movie. We had an intention to let go of the sword because there's something very aggressive with a sword. If you have a sword, it means you need to use it. Okay, I want to come back to that part. It means you need to use it. Right. So she wanted to give that up, and we didn't feel that the shield was necessary either. She's a goddess. She can fight. She's super strong, and she has the skills. So no, she has the gauntlets, she has the lasso, she has a tiara, and that's about it. Okay. <laughs> Why is this even an issue? I mean, she can she really use, you know, can she use her gauntlets if she's got a shield? Well, why does she need a shield when she's got her gauntlets? Right. When, when, when And remember, we're talking about in 1984, it's, it's from every fight we've seen so far, you know, like from the trailer, who's she fighting? She's fighting people. <laughs> Maxwell Lord and Cheetah. And we don't even know, you know, what's going to be like later on with Cheetah, like if she finally goes all... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anything. But she's fighting like cops and, you know, muggers and military people. Yeah. And when does the sword and the shield come back out? Well, timeline wise, well, when she's fighting Doomsday. Right. <laughs> or or when she's fighting Steppenwolf and Parademons. I even looked back 
and thinking, well, looking at, and, and I'm not even talking about the theatrical cut. I'm talking about, I'm going back to the original Snyder uh, trailers of of Justice League. And she doesn't have the sword and the shield when she's fighting the terrorists in London. You know, when she saves all those people. Now, granted, we can't go too much on what we saw in the theatrical cut because who knows how much that was altered. But even looking at the original, you know, we've been told that those first three trailers are Wagner and Snyder material and she doesn't have it because once again she doesn't need it against mortals right now did she and so I feel like that's a part where well when I look at it, it means you need to use it and right now it's the idea is that well when she needs to use it like fighting gods and monsters cool she's got it right yeah I mean I, I can't even believe this is an issue that some people are getting bent out of shape about apparently no it doesn't bother me at all uh, I, I think it would be extremely out of place and she's fighting in a mall carrying a giant sword <laughs> honestly I mean it doesn't that doesn't even fit well it almost reminds me of the gag from the first movie when she tries to walk through the revolving door in London and she can't get through the door because she's holding her sword or shield right <laughs> it was very self-aware yeah and, and I feel like that that's an adjustment now I'll be very once again I'm not judging anything until I see the movie right it, it's so she's reached a point that after her experiences in World War One, maybe she's decided to put those down but then obviously something's gonna have to happen to get her to the place she was in BVS yeah because she noticed she didn't get rid of the sword and the shield she still had them laying around because she was able to whip them out to fight Doomsday right yeah so I'm not I'm I'm not taking this quote from Godot and and you know getting bent out of shape over it you no know? and so it, because also the character for for a lot of the characters run was the character had the lasso the gauntlets the tiara right like that's what she had <laughs> right I mean and and not just that I mean we actually get uh we get golden armor in this film as well I mean that's already obviously been confirmed so I mean you're getting other things like you don't have to you know keep using the same kind of armor or weapons like we we also know at some point she's probably going to be getting a different costume somewhere down the road as well I mean that's that's likely to happen so I don't know I just I don't understand the the need by certain groups of people out there to get so upset over little things like this especially when you haven't even seen the film yet um Linda Carter did give her stamp of approval for the Wonder Woman trailer. She says, pure brilliance. And she tagged Patty Jenkins. Of course, Linda Carter being the very first on-screen Wonder Woman that we ever had. I didn't. I, I really didn't expect anything else from Linda Carter, to no, be honest with you. Of course not. Now, I think we had talked about, or at least Patty Jenkins had talked about in the past, about possibly trying to find the right way to get Linda Carter to actually make an appearance in the film. And obviously, it, it would have felt really out of place in the first Wonder Woman film. But I feel like, especially the fact that... You you know, this is in the same era that the actual TV Wonder Woman was, you know, was actually uh, being aired. I feel like there's probably going to be some kind of cameo. Don't you feel like that? I, th- there was enough smoke about the possibility of trying to get her into this one that I would say yes. Yeah. I'm, let's put it this way. I'm, I'm looking for it. Let's put it that way. As long as it's not distracting. <laughs> I, I don't want a Stan Lee type cameo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want that kind of thing. You have made, you have made your feelings very <laughs> clear on that. Uh, I've made my feelings very clear about that. No apologies. All right. Well, moving on, we have a working title, apparently, for Matt Reeves' The Batman. It is called Vengeance. Okay. In case you don't know, working title is is basically what they'll kind of use as like a code name, uh, you know, for, you know, any kind of the production work, that kind of thing, so that you don't make it super obvious that it's going to be a Batman film. Which is always funny 
to me when we when they advertise what the code name is. <laughs> right. You just kind of blew that. Well, I mean, they're not advertising. This is a, this is from Production Weekly, which kind of gave it away. So, I mean, it's only people in the industry that would even look at this publication. Yes, before the internet. <laughs> before the internet. Uh, Cinema Blend is reporting that apparently James Gunn has talked to David Ayer. Shocking. Uh, James Gunn, uh, I know, really. James Gunn has been doing some Instagram story Q&As. It's kind of been his way to interact with fans and basically, I feel like it's like his version of like Reddit AMAs. And then during one of these Q&As, he apparently gave this response. David Ayer is a great guy. We've discussed and I've told him what we're up to with the Suicide Squad at least a little bit. So that was the answer that basically reveals that James Gunn and Ayer have talked. But that doesn't make a good like narrative over on the internet. Like we need them to like hate each other. Well, you know, I also would have liked a little bit more details about what did you talk about or anything <laughs> like that. He doesn't have to tell us anything. He doesn't need anything. I know. I know he doesn't have to tell us anything. I'm just saying like, but I guess my point is if you're going to make a story out of this, that's, you wrote an entire, once again, it's kind of another one of those, we have an entire article existing on the internet based on that one sentence. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, that's a typical, I won't name the publication, but there's a, there's an online publication out there. Every single story when it comes to DC is literally a story about uh, some principal players, Instagram post or Twitter post or whatever. They'll make an entire story out of it. So uh, James Gunn did go on a tease that next year in Brazil at CCXP, he cannot wait to show them something from the Suicide Squad. So timing wise, I mean, that's completely right when we should be seeing something. Exactly. And and that and that means he'll be joining the Batman as well. Yeah. Of course, they're also the they're two of the three movies in 2021. So <laughs> right. that makes sense. Yeah. And so once again, San Diego Comic-Con, you're on notice. Brazil is taking the reins here, it looks like. And then as we kind of alluded, to earlier, uh, Deadline was reporting that uh, not only is Flash getting a release date, but of course Shazam 2 uh, is now going to be opening April 1st, 2022, and it's taking uh, the place of a spot that the studio had reserved for an untitled Warner Brothers event film. And then the article went on to say, uh, additionally, Sesame Street, the Sesame Street film is going to be moving forward from 2021 to 2022, to which Zachary Levi quote tweeted the article and said, y'all Sesame Street is relocating. <laughs> well, you because you got you got to see the headline just says Shazam two to take flight spring twenty twenty two Sesame Street relocates. Yes, <laughs> it's one of those if you read it out of context, yeah. it's like what? That's true. So Zachary Levi uh, being funny as usual. I was very interested in the fact that uh, you know this this Vertigo property Lovecraft is getting developed into a film. The Hollywood Reporter was reporting, and that it's being directed by uh, David Benioff and uh, D B Weiss. Yeah, who was supposed to be doing a Star Wars? Was it an anthology film? I I, I can't remember if it was anthology. If it was going to be like their own trilogy or something. Yeah. But then they left over. It was a trilogy. It was a trilogy. Yeah. And they left over seemingly creative differences, and so now they've landed at Warner Brothers and going to be adapting this Lovecraft. Which it's I, I was like, wow. Okay, so you got it, it's a property that comes from Keith Giffen and Hans Rodinov. Um, but apparently, let me see. Uh, Ooh, I love, I just, okay, I just love the description of this book. A surreal, psychosexual look at the American horror master's life story. The book focuses on the graphics, notably lurid, dialogue-free sequences depicting Cthulhu and his tentacle kin assaulting helpless humans. The story's <laughs> remainder concerns Lovecraft's repetitive attempts in childhood and adulthood to ward off a series of repellent, cre- <laughs> repellent creatures. <laughs> this sounds like they're going to have a lot of fun with this one. I, I think, uh, and this is, by the way, uh, this is a book that I... I actually have, but I have not read it yet. It's, it's, oh, let me know. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah, 
yeah, this is one. Uh, of course, I'm a I'm a big Keith Giffen fan when it comes to art, and so like this is that's w- one of the reasons I picked up the book at the time. Uh, but I I think it's really interesting timing wise because when things kind of fell through with Star Wars, you almost kind of get this feeling that you know this these guys are part of the you know the HBO HBO Max Warner Brothers arms race right now. You know, in terms of like, hey, these were two guys that were you know put out a highly acclaimed and successful Game of Thrones show, and you just kind of feel like like they want these guys back in and to get them working on something else probably for hbo max well apparently this the the graphic novel was optioned about three years ago yeah so it's just been sitting there yeah and we're and like you were talking about with the arms race we're kind of at that point where stuff just doesn't sit there anymore because we need content yes (laughs) there's a lot of places they have content now so a lot of things are getting made some of it good some of it not so good but this one i you know considering what they were able to kind of do with um, a lot of the uh the little fantasy elements with you know Game of Thrones. I think this could be a really interesting take with this piece of property. I'm always interested in seeing more things that involve Lovecraft and his yeah. his interesting world he created. <laughs> for sure. So keep an eye out for that one. Hopefully this one moves forward. It's in development, so uh, we have it now. <laughs> Who <It's>, knows? <laughs> it's another one on the list. A long, long list yeah. of everything in our show notes. It's like, <laughs> this is in development and probably has died. Yeah. So Zack Snyder put out a picture of Henry Cavill and he quoted as saying my Superman it's Henry Cavill in a Superman suit but it's an all black suit it's the black suit it's the black the suit. black suit Superman from the return from the return of Superman from 93 yeah so here's the deal I, I was kind of reading through some of the stuff in this I there was a lot of people that were really taken aback by this because you know obviously we had seen lots of behind-the-scenes images of Superman uh, from when Zack Snyder was filming in the the typical red and blue suit and in the reason this was kind of controversial is because Zack Snyder responded to a fan who had asked, you know, does he use it or is th- was that just a picture taken? And Zack Snyder responded to that fan. He says, let's put it this way. In Zack Snyder's Justice League, he will have a black suit. Okay, so here's the deal. Like like I said, like we saw lots of behind-the-scenes images of Henry Cavill in his costume for Superman during the time when Zack Snyder was filming. He was not in a black suit. He was in his red and blue suit. So what he's basically saying here is that in his idealized idea of what Justice League was supposed to be, even beyond what he actually filmed, he was saying that Henry Cavill was going to be in a black Superman suit. Yeah, because he did respond to other fans saying that the whole point was that between Justice League 1, 2, and 3, it was going to be a journey back to the blue and red suit. Right, right. Like, he was going to end up in the blue and red suit, but that needed to be part of his arc after his resurrection to come back to that. Yeah. So, it just seems like, you know, we had heard all along that they were trying to kind of rush along the conclusion of Justice League. Like, that was one of the the things that Zack Snyder and company... Accelerated hope and optimism was was something that came up. They were kind of pushed into this. Yeah, they were pushed into this. And so, you know, Zack did, in fact, film, you know, Henry Cavill in the blue and red suit. And that was probably a decision that was made like, okay, we're we're going to skip the black suit. We're going to go right to this because that's what we're being asked to do. And, and it's just kind of curious. Do you think he would go back and recolor the suit at all? Yes. If he, if he was able to get his director's cut. Yes. Because his, his, well, his director's cut surely does not have Henry in a black suit the entire time. No, but other people have proven that it is quite possible to post-production recolor that suit. Right. For sure. I mean, Chris Dawson's uh, black suit edition 
does it very well. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, and there has been some indication that it was shot in a way that would make recoloring it possible. And I cannot remember if we talked about this on air or if this was a sidebar conversation that you and I had. But we have wondered sometimes that as, as Zack Snyder has been in these speculated negotiations for, you know, the Snyder Cut, that maybe what he's really negotiating for is the ability to roll back the compromises he even made while he was there. Right. Basically saying, if I'm going to get to release, as he w- w- as he coined it himself, Zack Snyder's Justice League, why can't it be the movie I was going to make? Yeah. E- even without the compromises he had to make during that 111 days of principal photography. Right, right. Because you even asked me, do you think they'd even go back and get the script as close to the original script as possible? This sounds like that's kind of a goal. Yeah, yeah. We don't know if he's going to be able to get there or not, but wouldn't that be a nice goal to be able to go back and clean up some of the compromises that he had to make and even getting something beyond, you know, his director's cut right now, get it a little bit closer back to, you know, where he's supposed to be. You know, and along those lines, he obviously was meeting with Christina Wren to do some, uh, <laughs> some, some additional reshoots or no, actually they were just having some coffee. Or were they? <laughs> or were, or were they? they? Or were they signing things? I don't know. Because Zack Snyder did uh, post a picture with him with Christina Wren, a.k.a. Yeah. You know, Car- uh, Carol you Ferris. Know, <laughs> Carol Ferris. Uh, saying, getting coffee with this amazing actor and creative force. And then on her Instagram, Christina Wren posted the exact same photo and wrote this gushing statement about Zack Snyder and ended it with hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Going back to the fact that it seems like everyone who's ever worked with this man loves working for this man. Yeah. I always kind of find it interesting because, I mean, she was just a really small actress in his films. And, and I find it interesting that he kind of takes the time to post this one image when there's so many others he could be posting. So it just, it, it's kind of funny. It's one of these things that just kind of feels like he puts it out there just to kind of like, just kind of stir the pot a little bit. Yeah. Of course, I also love the fact that someone asked him, uh, you know, how many, how many more of these, you know, do you have? And he was like, it's an, it's an almost effing four hour movie. A lot. <laughs> Absolutely. And like I said, this was going to be a short episode. There's not a whole lot of news this week, uh, but we do want to end with this. Just as a reminder that Joker is actually coming out. Uh, you can get it. Digitally. Uh, digitally, December 17th, just a few days away. And one of the great things, if you actually pick this thing up on iTunes, is you will get a commentary track with director Todd Phillips. And uh, this is the little blurb as an iTunes extra. It says, go behind the scenes with Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix as they take you inside the seedy, under, seedy underbelly of Gotham for a comprehensive look inside the making of Joker. Learn why Todd Phillips describes Joaquin Phoenix as the most nimble actor he's ever worked with. Explore the production of Joker through a new lens, plus more. And as a special bonus, go beyond Joker with a director's commentary by Todd Phillips exclusively to iTunes only. I will have it. I, I will have it too. Now, of course, I'll have it when I redeem my Movies Anywhere code when I get my steelbook <laughs> in January. Uh, but I could tease you this upcoming week. Whatever. Yes. You could tease me. I, I still haven't listened to David Sandberg's iTunes exclusive commentary for Shazam either. So <laughs> Yeah, we hardly ever talk about that film. Just saying. Well, we'll see what we... I'm, I can't wait to hear. I love commentaries. Yeah. I love commentaries. And I think it's interesting how they how they make them these iTunes exclusives. Yeah. But I'll take it. Hey, that's like the other kind of race that you have right now, you know, between digital content 
content, especially when they're all sharing it. Because I believe if you have this, like, you know how the Warner Brothers films you can get on, you know, you can get on Vudu, you can get it on Amazon Prime. Amazon, uh, Google, Play, Google Play, Fandango. Yeah, it's because they're all, they all have a shared library. Uh, but it looks like this one, at least with this commentary, I believe you have to buy it with iTunes to be able to get it. No, I think, I think, no, if you have an iTunes copy, which you get with Movies Anywhere, you'll get it. Okay, so like if I, if I purchase this on, say, Vudu, would I, I wouldn't necessarily get it, would I? No, you would, because you'd have an iTunes copy if you're hooked up with some Movies Anywhere. Okay. You get all the iTunes extras. Okay, so fair enough. And what this does is it just makes you watch it on iTunes. Yes. Yeah, I guess it does do that. Um, we did get a trailer, though. I want to talk about this before we close out for Stargirl. What did you think of that? Well, the first version or the second version? Because that's what happened, was that they published the first version that had this really bad green screen in the middle of it, of like four of the main cast members in front of a locker, like a row of lockers. I didn't see that one. And then, oh, no, that was the first one that came out, and it got lambasted. I mean, the, the comments got blown up, so like almost immediately, like the same night it got posted, they pulled it, and then they re-released it several days later later without that scene in the middle. So was it an accident or what? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I wasn't aware of this. I, I, I The one I saw must have been after the fact. Yeah, because the one that first popped up that, you know, all the people who particularly do not do not enjoy Jeff Johns uh, and they just bombed it. They firebombed the comment sections on Twitter and on YouTube. And I'm that same night, by the time I got around to watch the clip, it had already been pulled down. Ah, okay. <laughs> and then they replaced it with another one and the notable difference is that there's this little section in the middle that doesn't have four of the main cast members standing in front of this really obvious green screen <laughs> that did not look good at all and basically just have from DC legend Jeff Johns you know Stargirl and then there's a little clip that was in both versions of you know, like from the show of the actress who was playing Courtney okay so I mean when you so you need to describe this to me a little bit better was it actually the green screen no so it, it was, was just a green screen image. Okay, I got you. It was a green screen image that just was glaringly obvious. <laughs> okay. No, I, I don't think I saw that. So, okay. I mean, I, I thought it was okay. Like, it, it does kind of feel like it halfway belongs on CW, though. Well, considering that it is going to halfway <laughs> belong on CW, <laughs> yeah. well, there you go. Yeah, so you can kind of see why they made the decision that, yeah, they're going to also release this on CW. It, it really is kind of in their wheelhouse, let's be honest with you. Yes, it is. So, and then lastly, David Lindelof talked about uh, Zack Snyder. David Lindelof, of course, the showrunner for Watchmen says uh, uh, he was asked about whether or not he was taking any kind of shots at Zack Snyder in his show and he says I will always take responsibility for when I am winking or insulting or trolling there was no intentionality on my part to make fun or take a shot at or troll Zack Snyder's Watchmen movie I have a tremendous amount of affection for Zack's movies movie and for Zack himself and I feel like if anything the challenge of doing Watchmen as a straight up adaptation in the body of a three hour movie is near impossible and he did it and he did about as good of a job as anyone can so again this is another one that doesn't fit the narrative out there well because everyone's been trying to troll and saying that the american hero story was you know oh the you know the the, the burn is so bad and all this <laughs> stuff it's like whatever no and we even talked about it at the time on you know on dc tv like uh, we kind of felt like if anything it was kind of like an homage it was homaging it, it was homaging Zack snyder because it was very much like Zack snyder which we thought was great so oh well um you kind 
kind of nipped that one in the bud, didn't he? Yes, he did. All right. Well, speaking speaking of which, speaking of which, we, we got to go watch that season finale. Yes. So we're gonna say bye to you guys. <laughs> we're missing part of it right now. So anyway, so that's it for this week's podcast. It was a short one, but want to thank you nonetheless for listening. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us on Twitter at Suicide Squadcast. You can find me on Twitter at Alan Fire. You can find me at Scott DC twenty seven. Of course, you can email the show at Suicide Squadcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so please don't hesitate to reach out. You can also find us on Vero, Facebook, and on the website SuicideSquadcast.com. And of course, uh, once again, another thank you to all of our patrons over at Patreon.com slash Squadcast Media. Alright, well that's it for this week. Uh, we would encourage you guys to go out and keep reading some DC while we run off and watch the final episode of Watchmen. Bye guys. See ya. Scott, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay. We were all ready to record last night, yep. you know, because I was, kind of had my weekend planned out, you know, uh, we're going to record Saturday night, get it all done. Wasn't going to be a long episode, going to get everything done and published Sunday night. I was going to watch the finale for Watchmen without anything else interrupting me. But you had to go ahead and postpone us to Sunday night. Well, that way you got to watch Ad Astra and Watchmen. So you're welcome. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I, I, that was an un- <laughs> <laughs> You did have me there. That was an unplanned uh, benefit about not recording. <laughs> Recording last night. <laughs> uh, Bing! Bing. Okay. I'll tell you what. I was going to blow you up, but uh, screw it. I'm going to blow you up anyway. Yeah, we did, and apparently they also brought in members of Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. Thank you. Try again. Cirque du Soleil. Just do it for me. Cirque. Cirque. Cirque du Soleil.